You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. Now, the Bible speaks of Moab. Moab started as an actual person. Moab was a person who was born to Lot and his oldest daughter. It was just one of those real low points. But Moab was born from this incestuous relationship between Lot and his oldest daughter. And so then his offspring, his descendants, the Moabites, were there in the land, and they were part of the land of Canaan, while all the Israelites, the Jews, were slaves in Egypt. And so now it's time for the Jews to come back, and they've got these cousins, right? Lot was the nephew of Abraham, so it's like they're relatives. They come back, but they were not kind to the Israelites. They were fearful of them. And they even hired, the king of Moab even hired Balaam. Remember the story of Balaam? You know, the talking donkey and all of that. They hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And so these are people who were pagan. They're people who had fallen completely into the worship of false gods, child sacrifice, all of these things. Sexual rituals involved in the worship of false gods. They had left the one true God completely. Deuteronomy 23.3, if you look up at the screen here, it says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. To curse you. And so I emphasize this because Ruth is a Moabite. She's a Moabite. And these, this family goes for this temporary relief from the famine into the land of Moab. They end up remaining. And as we're going to see here, the kids end up marrying Moabites against the law of God. And so they get to verse 3. We get to verse 3. In Ruth 1, it says, Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. What Elimelech did when he was living in Israel and then the famine happened and he decided to move was wrong. It was like when Abraham was experiencing the famine and he took his family down to Egypt. Remember that? And then plagues, you know, he lied and said, oh, you know, Sarah's my sister and not my wife, and all kinds of problems. Similar situation where Elimelech is lacking faith. He's supposed to stay with the land. He's supposed to uh, keep his family with the people of God. And instead, because he freaks out because of the famine, he takes his family and he leaves to Moab and now he dies the very thing that he was afraid of because of a famine comes upon him because of his disobedience to God. We have to be careful, friends, not to panic when things seem to be going south, you know, with our job. Oh, no, you know, with the, oh, how am I going to pay the mortgage? I better get a second and third job and spend all my life at work and neglect my family. 
You see, where God is saying, wait, 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 just settle down, pray, receive your peace, wait on me, have faith. Watch me do miracles, watch me provide. Elimelech did not do this. And so here Naomi is left. It says, and she was left and her two sons. Verse four, now they took wives of the women of Moab. So this was a further infraction of the Jewish law. They took foreign wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. You know, sometimes we think if I just, you know, I'm just going to start drinking socially <laughs> a beer with my meal, you know, and, and, and believe me, the Bible doesn't say that's wrong and that's sin, but we need to be careful friends not to think, well, I can dapple with this. And then 10 years later, where are we? You see, we got to stay away from the camp of the enemy. And it says here in verse five, then both Malon and Chilion also died. Not a good idea to stay in the camp of the enemy. So the woman, speaking of Naomi, survived her two sons and her husband. It's interesting to me that it was the men who died. And God has called men to be leaders in the home and elsewhere. He's called us to lead. And God holds leaders accountable for how they lead and where they lead because people are following. Remember that, men. People are following you. And women, people are following you too. You've got kids. You've got grandkids. You have, you know, employees at work that are looking to you as a leader. Every Christian is called to be a leader. All of us. And then it says in verse six, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Well, Naomi, that's good that she wants to go back to her country, but she's not wanting to go back because that's where God, you know, will bless her. That's where her people are. And that's where the, you know, the worship is. And the tabernacle that she's to go to every year and, and things like that. But it's material. She wants bread. And so the blessings did not come to the enemy territory. So she had to return. And this was God's doing though, because there's great grace in all of this. And guys, God would have us. If we, if you or I, if you've walked away from the Lord, and you're a, you're a Christian and you've walked away, he would say, come back. Come back from Moab. There's nothing there for you. Come back from enemy territory where the devil <laughs> and his minions are and the flesh and the world. Come back into the family of God. Come back to Israel. Ruled by God is what Israel means. Hosea 6.1 says, come and let us return to the Lord. It says in Hosea 6.1, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. And this is where Naomi and Ruth are headed, returning 
to the Lord. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. He will abundantly pardon. And so even though Naomi's heart isn't where we'd like her to be, neither is ours all the time, is it? <laughs> And yet God in his grace is going to bring her back and do a marvelous work through her Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth. Verse 7, Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me, the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she's encouraging them, go back, go back to your land, go back to your family, find husbands for yourself. This is the most important thing, that you have a, a family and you have friends and, and, and you're doing good for yourself. If you came with me, uh, I don't even know if these guys would, you know, they're going to be like, you're Moabite women, you know. There's this sense that Naomi doesn't really want them to come back with her. You know, I'm sure she loves them and everything, but think about it. They're Moabite women. My sons weren't even supposed to marry them. We're going to go back and everybody's going to judge me. These are Moabite women. Did you let your kids marry Moabite women? You are not a good Jewish woman. And, uh, you know, things like that. I'm reading into it a little bit here. Just so you know, that's conjecture. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But verse 11, Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? She's reached an age where she's not going to have any more children. In verse 12, turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? So what she's saying is, the, you know, that kinsman redeemer thing where, hey, your, your husbands have died. If I have children, they would be the, the brothers and be obliged to marry you. Are you going to wait around for the babies to grow up? <laughs> I don't know the whole Prospect is just kind of weird, isn't it? And so it says, no, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Do you see her attitude? This is God's fault. God came against me. He took my husband. He took my children. Verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Ruth, unwilling to leave her mother-in-law. Why? Why was she so committed to her mother-in-law? I wonder what kind of conversations they had together about God and about the scriptures and about the Red Sea and about all the history that came before and Joshua conquering the land. You know, it becomes pretty obvious as we go on that Ruth 
love God. She had fallen in love with God. Despite her mother-in-law, Naomi, and the lack of faith and all of that, Ruth saw past that to a God. And she wanted to be close to that God, just like Rahab. Remember Rahab the harlot from Jericho, the Gentile woman. She wanted to be close to God too. Verse 15, and she said, this is Naomi speaking, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Come on, Naomi. (laughs) If you had just trusted God and said, you know what? Come on, Orpah, you come too. Man, you're going to love God. (laughs) He's amazing. Don't go back to your false gods and worship them. Don't go back to that. But instead, she had become bitter and blamed God for all the bad that had happened to her. And in her bitterness and lack of faith, she said, you're better off with other gods. But Ruth, Ruth, no, no, that wasn't going to sit well with Ruth. And so in verse 16, it said, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. I love this. You know, a, a lot of people have made this part of their wedding vows because it's such a proclamation of commitment. And so let's read through it again. For for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. I reject Moab. I reject the Moabites. I reject the culture I grew up in. I reject my family. Jesus said, if your father, no, the scripture says, if your father and mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. Ruth was letting go of her people, of her culture, and she was looking towards God and God's people. And so it says, wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Verse 17, where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. I am committed to you, mother-in-law. Whatever happens, wow, what a heart, what a woman, a Proverbs 31 woman committed to the Lord. And so Ruth is going to be accepted in, as we read in further chapters, and she's going to marry the kinsman redeemer Boaz, the wealthy rescuer, and it's going to be absolutely amazing, and it's going to be the grace of God in her life, not according to the law, but according to God's grace, he's going to bless her. Just like you and me, friends, accepted into the family of God, not because of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. Amen? And so we can relate to Ruth here, or perhaps we can relate to Naomi And God's going to be gracious with her too. But poor Naomi is going through life miserable because she's blaming God, she's bitter, and she's angry at God. And she's focusing on her loss instead of what she does have. A family that still remains. A people 
there in Israel who are ready to support her and a God who will never leave her and a daughter-in-law who's representative of that God and her commitment. These are wonderful things that Naomi has and should focus on and be thankful for. Guys, let's not let the devil and our flesh rip us off from our joy because of our circumstances. There are so many things to be thankful for. So many things. Let's count our blessings and name them one by one. Let's be thankful for our congregation of believers right here where we get to come to church. And I guarantee you, if you have a prayer need and you came up here, there are 10, 20 people that would lay hands on you and pray for you and support you and say, we're here with you. We love you. What a great family to be a part of. If we'll just come, make ourselves vulnerable, go to that small group, join that women's group, that men's group, and get real with each other, support each other. And so it is amazing that Ruth is, will be accepted, not according to the law, but according to grace. In fact, she is mentioned along with four other women in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary, saved by grace through faith. Verse 18, verse 18. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, that is Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. In other words, she stopped arguing. She stopped trying to convince her. She's like, okay, she's coming. <laughs> verse 19. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Again, about a 50-mile journey or so. Doesn't say where they were from in, in Moab. But you wonder what their conversation was like as they traveled along the way. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And so there was a surprise there. Why, is this Naomi? Because she didn't quite look the same that she did 10 years earlier. And she was different. You know, her name, we're told, means pleasant pleasant. Look at verse 20. It says, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. <laughs> call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Bitter. She even said, I am, I am changing my identity from pleasant to bitter. Guys, don't change your identity from pleasant to bitter. Remain pleasant, please, for the sake of all of us. Because, you know, bitterness comes, the Bible says, beware lest a root of bitterness come and defile many. Defile many. And so she had become bitter and therefore really a defiling person. But God will change her heart. And so she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. You see the anger in her at God? There's a guy that I talk to in the park now and then, and he's so angry at God. He just, he blames him for the death of his mother. God took my mom from me. God did it. But he's told me that his mom knew the Lord. And I said, oh, she's in heaven. Praise God. What about now? What about now? You know, and he just gets really upset at God and blames God instead of seeing the blessings Verse 21, I went out full. Now that's an interesting comment. 
Listen to this comment, verse 21. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. She went out full, but she left because of a famine. How bad was it? (laughs) And perhaps she just has a new perspective that, you know, um, yeah, there was a famine. Times were tough, but I had a husband and I had children. And, And the things that she didn't appreciate during the famine... She now appreciates, you know, and so she went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? How about you say you're sorry and turn back to the Lord and watch him do miracles? Amen. She's got a wonderful daughter-in-law who's going to help her with that. And so she's focused on the negative and not on the wonderful blessings that she has right in front of her face at this time. Verse 22, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Ooh, that's just a wonderful transition to the next chapter because there's hope in harvest, isn't there? It's a time of reaping and it's a time of plenty and it's a time of restoration. And so there's applications for three kinds of people here today. Are you a Christian today and you're tempted to run away from the Christian life and you want to run to the world? Maybe there's someone of the opposite sex who's not your spouse and you're tempted to just chase a better life with that person because I'm sure it'll just be so much better. Or maybe you just want to give yourself over to substance, chemicals as an escape, sexual sin. Maybe you've been dappling in the world and you're ready to just jump in with two feet. And God is saying tonight, don't do it. It's not worth it. The life that you think you'll find over there, you're going to lose your whole life because of it. And so come back and take this as a warning. As a warning. And then there are those who have already done that, you've wandered away. You've gone to do what's right in your own eyes instead of following the Lord. And you're seeing the consequences of that decision and those decisions. And God is saying to you today, it's never too late. There's still abundant life to be had. You can repent. You can come back home You can recommit your life to Jesus Christ and say, God, I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to be committed to you, Lord, by your grace, by your mercy, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I resolve today, I'm coming back home. I'm giving up that life I've been living. I've known better the whole time and I've been miserable because of it. I'm coming back to you, Jesus. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. We need to follow God. His way is the best way, friends. And so come back to Bethlehem. Come back to the house of bread, the birthplace of Jesus. Hosea 6.1 says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. He's here to receive you back to heal you, to forgive you, and to point you into abundant living. Man, we've seen it even recently in this church with people 
coming back to the Lord and saying, man, that, that life that I chose to live for the last 10 years or whatever, that was, I knew better. It was a bad decision. And it just led to a bunch of death in my life. I'm coming back. Will you baptize me, pastor? Yes, I will. Let's do it. Let's do it. Or perhaps you, like Ruth, have been an unbeliever your whole life and unaware of the fullness of life in Christ Jesus. And we would say to you today, join the family. Be a part of God's people, just like Ruth. And say, I want that. I want their God. And I want to be a part of these people and in their family. And all of us together, we say, yes, you're welcome. We love to have you here. Online, come on down. Be a part of the family of God. Be a part of the larger family of God. The universal church. Confess your sin. Receive Christ as your Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, I believe. And you're saved and you're part of the family of God, just like Ruth coming home to this family. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.